May only your words be spoken and your words be heard. Amen. An angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. So here we are, the late service, Christmas Eve, except how odd, really how unique, here we are, but here you are not. Instead of a packed church tonight, the church is nearly empty. We are choosing not to gather. Not gathering is the right and loving thing to do. But not gathering, if we're honest, is also a sad and painful thing to do. As Kyle said in his email to the choirs the other day, you know, nothing replaces us being physically together, singing, blending, and being in the same room at the same time, laughing, praying, and experiencing our friendships and bonds, which makes our community. Everything is different this year. Everything is different this year. But the story that Glenda just told, the story that the church tells every Christmas Eve, that's not different. That's the same. I bring you good news of great joy. To us, Christ was born, made real that first Christmas. And to us, Christ is born, made real this Christmas. Several years ago, a colleague of mine told the story of a man who was putting to bed his three-year-old daughter for the night. The family had been visiting out-of-town relatives for the weekend. And when it came time for bedtime, he could tell right away that his three-year-old did not like the idea of sleeping in a strange room all alone. He leaned down, he gave her a kiss, he told her not to worry, he told her that really she was not alone, that God was with her. Not to worry, he said, the Spirit of God is all around you. With that, the three-year-old reached up and grabbed her dad by the chin and said, but Daddy, I want God with a skin face. That child, that child, afraid in a strange room, articulated, I think, a deep, even if unspoken, desire that we all have. We all want to know if God is real, if God is present, if God is tangible. Now, for some of you, 2020 has made that question more pressing than ever, because for you, this year has been particularly difficult, challenging. 2020 has been a struggle. 2020 has been a source of sadness and loss. Sometimes I think the opening lines should be not only, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant, but O come all ye doubting, sad, and despondent. 
But even for those of you for whom 2020 went relatively well, I think really there's also with most of you a sense of worried weariness, of being rich in things but poor in soul, surrounded by many things, and tomorrow morning about to receive even more of those things. But even so, deep down, a bit dissatisfied, itchy, yearning, hungry, wondering for something more. Wondering, in our dark moments, when we feel frightened, when we feel lonely, when we feel empty, wondering where it's all going, what it's all about, and if God really is there. In such times, it is not enough to hear reassurances that we are not alone. It is not enough to be told that God is with us, that the Spirit of God is all around us in some general way. It's not enough to know that God is there if there isn't here. We need God with a skin face. And so, shepherds and three-year-olds, nearly all of us need to hear the message of the first Christmas. Be not afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. To us, Christ was born, made real that first Christmas. And I mean, and I mean real, real. There are a couple of different ways to think about Christmas. One way to think about Christmas is the popular cultural myth of Christmas. It's a kind of airbrushed fairy tale. And you know what I'm talking about. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, the extended family all gathered around the piano, everyone singing in perfect tune, children behaving perfectly, a calm, stress-free Christmas where all preparations have been equally shared. It's the ha happiest time of the year. If that is the Christmas story that you have in mind, it is difficult to think of Christmas as real. But what happens when you think about Christmas in a different way? What happens if you think about Christmas the way that it is presented in the scriptures? If you think about Christmas the way it's presented in the Bible stories, first of all, you're struck by the fact that it's anything but a fairy tale. You're struck by how real and how concrete the story is. In those days, the story begins, in a specific time in history, historical people, real people, in real places. Augustus, who was the ruling Caesar at the time. Quirinius, who was the governor. A pregnant woman and her betrothed, harried and harassed by a long, inconvenient journey that they did not want to take. And all of this happening, again, not in Narnia or Hogwarts, fictional places, but in real places that you can find on a map, then and now. Syria is mentioned, Nazareth, Galilee, Bethlehem. Particulars, particular, specific people and places. That's the first thing you notice about the real Christmas story, how concrete and real, local and specific it is, how real it is. 
The second thing you notice about the real Christmas story, the story told in the scriptures, is this, how it's announced, to whom it's announced. Is this unprecedented grand entrance of the creator of the universe into the world, how is that announced? Is it announced with a burst of light that envelops the entire universe? Does God gather for this moment all the most important rulers of the world into one place and come down on pillars of clouds with thunderbolts? No, the first Christmas message, God breaking in, is delivered to shepherds. Shepherds. It's interesting that Sanhedrin texts in those days mention that herdsmen, shepherds, were on the list of those who were ineligible to be judges or even witnesses in court. They were considered so dishonest, so much that they were excluded from proper society and legal proceedings. Think about it. God could have come to this earth any way God wanted. But how did God do it? Through ordinary people, under stressful circumstances, under grimy conditions, and it is announced to farmhands working the night shift. Good news of great joy. That is the way God entered the world. You want good news of great joy? That is the way that Christ was born, made real that first Christmas. And good news of great joy? That is the way that God enters the world today. That is the way that Christ is born or made real this Christmas in 2020. There's a story told about a monastery that was once thriving and large. But it had fallen over the decades into harder times and had shrunk down to about six elderly monks. And they were on the verge of closing it down. And as they were making plans to do so, they knew that they had to tell the people who would occasionally come there. And one of the people who occasionally came there was a rabbi who would take advantage of a little hermitage on the property. They met with the rabbi and told them about how much things had declined, if they were thinking about shutting down, and they wondered if, they had, if he had any advice for them. The rabbi said, I'm sorry, I don't really have any advice for you at all, but I will pray with you, and we can read some psalms together, and we can have a good cry together. And so they did that. And then, as they were saying goodbye to one another, the rabbi turned around and said, you know, there is one thing. Messiah is among you. And then he left. And the, and the monks were befuddled by that statement. They didn't know what to make of that. They didn't talk about it much at first. They thought about it. Each of them. Surely he couldn't mean Stephen is the Messiah. Stephen is irascible and irritable and in a bad mood so much of the time. But, but then again, Stephen actually is the one who raises our eyes and hearts and minds to the needs of the world. He has a prophetic gift. He couldn't mean Thomas. Thomas is, is, is so intellectual, lives in his head all the time. But, but on the other hand, Thomas really does help us to think about all the different ways that we can engage our faith with our intellect. He, he couldn't mean Elred. Elred is 
a wallflower. You practically don't, you don't even know he's around. He hardly says a word. But on the other hand, he is always there for you. In your hour of need, he seems to anticipate what you need. And he's there. Maybe, maybe, he is, maybe he's the Messiah. They started to wonder about one another. Could he really be the Messiah? And they started to treat each other slightly differently. They started to treat each other very differently, thinking that if perhaps that is actually the Messiah, I need to be patient and listen and understand you. And as people showed up on the grounds for their picnics, they began to bring other friends because they sensed something mysterious going on at this monastery, a, a sense of love and community and tenderness that they had not experienced in other places. And they began to, friends began to tell other friends, and, and then people began to make retreats with these monks because they wanted to learn more from them about the way that they had learned to live together. And more and more people made retreats, and some of the young men became monks, and eventually, over the decades, the monastery grew into a large, vibrant, thriving monastery again. Am I saying, in telling that story, that Messiah could be among you? That you could be Messiah, Christ, Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But it's not just me saying that. It's the Book of Common Prayer saying that. It is Scripture saying that. You are the body of Christ and individually members of it. When we receive the Holy Communion, Christ dwells in us and we in Christ. We are the eyes and ears and hands of Christ alive in the world today. You see... When that, while that first Christmas was unique, the incarnation, the enfleshment, God taking on skin face, that still takes place. God continues to create and to call and to speak and become incarnate. When ministers of liturgy make tonight's worship service happen, when the combined efforts and talents of instrumentalists and altar guild members and readers and Abby and Hope and John Norland and Kyle and the singers and the Bryant Brass and the St. Cecilia Choir and the Eucharistic ministers distributing people as they safely drive up. When Miranda puts together this creative prayer wreath capturing the prayers of the people, when the altar guild has so gorgeously prepared this space, when, when we make music, greet and serve and get nourished, good news of great joy is brought to people. When the outreach committee grants money despite a tough year, the same as in previous years, to organizations in Asheville and Western North Carolina that are being good news to the most marginalized people in our community, when the Tiny Home Project begins to lift off and make lasting community, when our own Garth Guest Ministry extends hospitality to the folks who are looking for shelter and safety, when EFM classes meet, when Bible studies and book studies happen, when pastoral care is extended, good news of great joy is brought to people. Christ is born in those activities, made real, and is alive. 
To the people receiving those ministries, they see God with a skin face. And you, yes, you, watching this in your home, not gathering, not gathering as an act of love for others. Whenever you remember that you are the body of Christ, that you dwell in Christ and Christ dwells in you, and if there's one thing that 2020 has taught Christians, has taught churches, has taught All Souls Cathedral, it's not just that we go to church, it's that we are church. When you encounter ordinary people under stressful circumstances, under grimy conditions, and remember that that was the way Christ was born and made real that first Christmas, then to a world that is yearning and hungering and frightened this Christmas, you are good news of great joy. Through you, Christmas, Christ is born. Through you, Christ is made real, comes alive. You, this Christmas, are God with a skin face.